I have an addiction, and it's preseason football, Sims. I can't stop watching it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought you were addicted to that ugly shirt you're wearing. I don't know. What the hell are you doing there? What the hell is that thing? Just because it says Philadelphia does not mean it's cool. So it has Philadelphia bolded in the middle. Oh. This was the Bleacher Report collaboration with The Roots. Oh, was it? Yeah. Damn. It says 215 and the uh, the legendary Roots crew. Okay, I'm down with The Roots. I mean, if you don't understand culture, that's cool. I'm down with The Roots. That's all right. His energy just changed two one so five. much. 215 is what area That's code? That's my area code. That's your area code? 215. It's still an ugly shirt. I don't care. Bleacher Report Thanks, or The Roots made it. A lot of people were looking at me on the train. I didn't know if they were liking it or <laughs> judging me. But now I know they were I judging me. I thought it was me. a soccer jersey at first, and then I saw the rest of this. So uh, I was going to have like someone come in with a whistle and yeah. just like interrupt us and be like, oh, targeting with the head. But I thought I'd let us breathe a little bit. Shit. So we we got to hang out with uh, Sam Darnold on Friday for something that you guys are going to see cool. And by the way, Sam's an awesome guy. Awesome. Uh, New York Jets have a good one in that kid. But all we kept talking about when we saw each other was a Thursday night game and just the reinforcement of this head tackling rule. Yep. Um, and you texted me and said, can I read what you wrote? Sure. If you told me the owners were on a mission to ruin the NFL, I would say I think you're right. Every game is unbearable with penalties. It's making me not want to watch. Let's start there because to me that's the number one story in the NFL right now. It'll be the number one story in week one and going forward. We don't know how it's going to be called in week one. But as someone who watched every preseason game, as I did, Mm -hmm. what was it like for you as just a fan? Just a fan. Uh, Annoying. Frustrating. Um, Unfair. Uh, to defensive players, for the most part, that's that's more the. I mean, I, I don't understand. It. It's a, it's become another handicap for defensive players. Um, you're rewarding bad football in a lot of cases. That's what I don't like about it either. You know, you know, there's just too many instances. Let alone slowing the game down. And it not being as fun to watch. That's really all there is to it. That's what drives me crazy. I mean, whether it was it's this Thursday night started with your Eagles uh, Patriots game. Okay. And there was some just horrible calls in that game. I mean, absolutely horrible. I, I don't know. What not I, even the head tackling, just bad calls in general. Yeah, no, but the, mainly the head tackling okay. I'm focused on. Whether it was the throw down the middle that uh, Brady threw 10 feet over Cordero Patterson's head and Malcolm Jenkins hit him on the shoulder. Right. And they called a penalty on that. Oh, first down. Yeah, keep the drive going. First of all, that's in danger players. They're supposed to be off the field. Defense is supposed to be off the field. Now they're going to be on there and tired because the refs bailed them out. That's an interesting team. Yeah, that's an, it's annoying. It's stupid. Let alone the number of plays, not only in that game, or let's just say the the best one of the weekend was the A.J. Bouye one. Oh, my gosh. Um, I mean, he form-tackled it. It's, it should be in a rule book how well he did. He broke down. He put his face up. He tilted his head to the side so nobody would hit his head. And then the runner ducked his head and put his head into his head, and we call it on the defense. So that, to me, is just unfair, and they need to start paying the refs more. They really do. I think the refs should be paid $30 million a year. They're the stars of the show. They're the most important people. The, don't, wa- don't watch the game for Odell Beckham Jr. or Aaron Rodgers. I want to tune in to number 99 line judge. That's who I want to see. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? 
Get the hell out of here. I love football. You know it. And for me to be that pained about it is it's ridiculous. And I really feel for defensive players more than anything. You know, I think we, we texted the numbers earlier today, right? It's 26 against the, the uh, defense and yep. five against the offense. So 31 in total. It, can, it should almost called. be the opposite. I think first it of should all. be. Every time I see a wide yeah. receiver getting hit, I'm seeing his head go down as well. I, I just and don't get it. That's not being called. Right. Really, it should be offsetting penalties. Yeah. Every or, single time. Or how about we just don't call it? I just don't like the fact that we're going to be sitting here for the next month, two months, three months talking about this and there's no solution. The one thing you've always complained about with referees is that the game is too fast for so many of yeah, them. Right. And there's nothing more difficult to call mm-hmm. in the speed than a head being tilted. Right. Also, we've always talked about how on replay, when you go frame by frame, it always looks intentional, even though it's not. Yeah. We've heard so many defensive players come out and say, I heard Malcolm Jenkins after that game talking about my neck is connected to my head is connected to my shoulder. It's impossible to do it. Yeah. Uh, I have a uh, propaganda possibility here. Yeah. Was the NFL trying to get us so off of the anthem debate that they created this because they said, we've already handled concussions and head trauma. We know how to go to negotiate that just by going, we're trying to keep the game safer because no one's talking about the anthem right now. Yeah, right. Right now, everyone's talking about this. And, and the thing is, from the NFL's perspective, if the referees can be the villain, they're the perfect villain. There is no sport or action and... and I apologize to Matt Camp, who is a ref enthusiast. People are very okay with making the refs the problem. Yeah, right. So I don't know. I mean, uh, it's a really good thought. I never it's thought of that. It's the only other thing that the NFL didn't they're, ask the players they're for. They're not. Smart. They didn't ask the players for two things this offseason. Right. The anthem and tackling with your head. And those are the two things that are causing issues right, right now. I don't think they're that smart to come up with that game plan. I, 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 was only I know, but it, it makes sense. Yeah, We see certain political people that do that this day and age yeah. that change the subject. So That's I get true that. Too. Yeah, so, uh, but, but I, I'm just annoyed and really... Whether the refing, the, it's being over refed. And there were certain games where I said, oh, okay, they're letting them play football. This is enjoyable. Hmm. I'm watching play after play. Yeah. This is great. And there was a few, but then there was other games like, like your game, the, the Eagle. I would say your game is the Eagles. Appreciate where that. I want to go, yeah. I mean, referee Bill v- Vin- v- Vinovich or Vinovich, whatever it is. Yep. I mean, damn! I just I don't want to watch Tom Brady. I wanted to watch him all game. That was awesome. That's what I wanted to do. We got to get you a ref. I didn't want to watch Nick Foles be crappy or any of that either. Too. I wanted to watch the ref. That's why I tuned in. That's why I'll be tuned in next week. I just thought it was the worst year to do this when you lose four head officials, like the most notable ones, like our favorite guys. That's when you institute something where the refs are going to have more control. Take away the egregious ones. My my thing is this: this is what I'm hoping for. Yeah. We've watched all the preseason games. Right. We always hear, week three of the preseason, that's when you're going to get the real action. You're going to get a full half of the number ones and starters. Can the refs call week three the way they're going to call it in the regular season? I hope so. I don't want it to be this, trust me, it'll be better in the regular season thing, because it's not. Why don't they practice calling it how they're going to do it in week three? I agree. Just like the teams are going to do it. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, I, I think that's it. I, we would all like to see that. The, the, the letter of the law has to be changed, first of all. The wording of the rule. I mean, the, the wording of the rule is so ridiculous and so broad that you could call it on every play at every yes. position. It 
It doesn't matter. So the referees are going to be able to dictate the games. That's annoying. And then the other thing to add on to that, like what you're saying is, my my coach friends, I mean, they're head coaches. They're all, they don't even understand the rule. They don't even know what, what do you teach? What do you teach our players? Mm-hmm. We don't get it. There's Because one play, it's that's fine. The next play, that's not fine. It's the same. He, he tackled them the same way both times. Yes. But one time it was against the rules. I have seen, I went through every local newspaper in the NFL last night. Yeah. And every single team had a gripe about a certain play. Yeah. Like two teams that played each other. Right. One had a gripe on one play. Like every single team went, we don't know the rule. Yeah. It's annoying. And it's uh, a shame that it's become the big topic but i i don't know what to say i'm actually scared for the first time ever for football i am as a whole yeah as a whole it's in trouble it's in trouble and you've always felt like a protector of the game i do yeah i mean i'm all for it but i mean we're getting close to it looks like it's gonna be two-hand touch or flag football here soon and being strong and tough is not gonna matter i think the, the hardest thing about this discussion is that it's always done with the player safety in mind and we love the player safety yeah why not before you start changing the helmets and what we're doing let's get rid of this fucking field turf yeah right because you know how many acls we're at in the acl epidemic 21 24 holy crap we're at 24 yeah with two preseason they're weeks worried left. about player safety though they are they're worried they're right. yeah hey guys we're gonna we're gonna penalize you fifteen yards if you don't tackle correctly. Right. But I saw in the Giants game, guys running off the field, cleat gets stuck in the turf, torn ACL. Right. But we're, we're Reggie Bush told us this too. You're gonna let these guys play on a surface that. Dr- do you know what? I've never seen a soccer player in my life tear his ACL. No. And never. R- Ronaldo and Messi are not even allowed to play on that turf. They're not allowed to. It's in their contract. It's against the law. I mean. The rules, whatever. The law of soccer. So the NFL and the owners... We're, we're worried about the players. They can they can hurt athletes because they don't want to pay for the upkeep of grass. Yeah. A million, do- a million dollars athletes. a year, probably. They're going to suddenly penalize players for changing the way that they form tackle after they've been playing that way for their lifetime. And the people that taught them how to tackle were doing... It's just... Well, it's did, just such hypocritical nonsense. It's such hypocritical, and it goes even to what I, I heard. You know, Al Riveron talk a little bit about how oh, we gotta, you know, we have to have meetings, and there's a lot of bylaws in the NFL. Bullshit! Come on, NFL, stop with this NFL. Pro- when you guys want to change rules, they change rules in four seconds, and they don't need one thing from the players. They just do it. Mm. So change the damn rule back. It's stupid. And I had something else I was going to say, but I can't remember. I think we'll end there. Yeah. Uh, one other thing, some news and notes that we can get a clear up on. I went and it's been a while since I've checked the Odell Beckham Jr. contract. Yes. Pay that man his money. Uh, we had 404 people enter. Do you know how many people are left? Take a guess. Seven. 53. <laughs> 53 left. 351 people have been eliminated. So that means, in my mind, that seven out of eight people thought Odell would have a contract by now, yeah, which sure. is interesting. Right. There are people that still think it's going to happen next year. Like, that's what they signed up for. But 53 are left at, at, according to 820. Do you think he gets a deal before the season now? Yes, I do. Oh, you still think it's going to happen? I do, yes. Okay. I do. I, I, I think... Um... They have to. He's done everything right. I'm a little annoyed about the overall media coverage with Odell Beckham Jr. I in just what way? I don't think it's positive enough. I mean, he's being the most stand-up guy in football. 
He's risking everything to be Mr. Team Guy, and so the fans like him. And, man, nobody writes anything about it. You think, in a way, not just being covered, he should be applauded for the offseason that he's had. I, exactly right. I mean, his offseason's been spectacular. Work ethic. I mean, I know there was the one video, but that was from two years ago, right? I mean, his offseason has been perfection. He's shown up on time. Right. He's performed in team drills. Right. He's been available for preseason games. Exactly right. He's kept himself in great shape. Right. Wednesday left go PRs. Yeah. He's been posting stuff for the fans. Exactly. He's done really everything he's needed to do, but he's still waiting. And you think at this point the media should be celebrating more than that? I think so. And I do. I'm mad at the New York media, too, because I think they should be putting the pressure on the Giants. I think if this was like... Johnny White quarterback and Eli was in this situation. They'd be go, oh, Eli can't play this year without more money. He can't do it. This is not right to do to our franchise. Mm. But it's, you know, I don't know. It's it's the crazy receiver. We can't pay him. We, you nobody called can... me a crazy receiver the other night. Yeah, you were a diva the other night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, we're going to try something that we're going to be doing during the season on today's pod, which is Sims is going to – he went and watched through some games, and he always finds notes and opinions that everyone is seemingly taking the other side. You don't even know what people are saying. You just have your regular opinion. Right. So I dig through your notes. We're going to get to that. You, you kind of sent me like six or seven of the preseason games. Right. There was something interesting in all of them. All right, good. Uh, but if we're if we're getting all of our gripes out, which yeah. seems to be what we're Let's doing, get them far, out. My number one was Thursday night. I'm watching Washington, New York, yeah. and I'm watching the new the new core of Joe Tessitore and Jason Witten and Booger McFarland. Yep. And I wish them all well. Yep. Um, this Alex Smith propaganda needs to stop. Yeah. I mean, I'm watching Booger McFarland saying, here's another thing that Alex Smith can do that Kirk Cousins can't do. And it was, they actually, he said they wanted Alex Smith over Kirk Cousins. If they could have gotten Kirk Cousins on Alex Smith's contract, they would have done it. Do you believe that? I, I, yes. I also believe there's nothing that Alex Smith can do that Kirk Cousins can't do. Would agree. Alex is maybe if if Alex got the edge, faster. maybe he gets five more yards in okay. a run. Right. Yeah. Uh, yes. But okay. So yes. you're a little disagreeing with me. No. No. I'm not disagreeing with but you. The player wise, I'm with you. But there's these stories that I've been noticing all off season coming right. out of Washington. Yeah. That the the Redskins really wanted Alex Smith right. all along. Right. No. They just screwed up the Kirk Cousins thing and wanted someone that doesn't have this situation. Yeah, and Kirk Cousins screwed them too. It was a double-edged sword. I think. He earned the right to screw he, them. He did certainly. There's. No I doubt. just think that it felt like propaganda to me to go on national TV and say that Alex Smith is better than Kirk Cousins yeah. at quarterback position. Yeah, I think it's uh, all right. So two things if here. You disagree with me? Disagree? No, no, I don't. I don't disagree with you. I mean, I thought you were right. The propaganda was in full flat, full mode. Right. First thing you got to do is connect dots, right? Booger McFarlane, who'd he play for? John Gruden. Oh, Jay Gruden's brother, right. Oh, who else did he play for? Bruce Allen, the GM of the Redskins? Wow. So they told him something, mm. and he said exactly what they wanted him to say. Hey, Booger, the sky's red. Tell everybody it's red. Hey, he's red. It's red. It's not blue. I mean, that's what he did. Mm. And they're trying to sell their guy in the organization. Now, I will tell you this. I don't think I've ever even told you this. I don't think Kirk Cousins was well-liked in that building. Okay. More than just Bruce Allen. So I think there was more of an issue there than even the public knows about interesting but to say Players that too yeah i think there was a little bit of all through all phases of the organization yeah what was he doing studying i think that, well i think the i don't i think that they were disappointment and lack of leadership 
and the fact that he was holding the mm. organization, you know, feet to the fire all the time for more money. Gotcha. Um, and there was a few other things, too, oh, that I know that I can't discuss. But either way, oh. yes, I don't think Alex Smith is as good as Kirk Cousins. Certainly not. I mean, no. I think Kirk Cousins is, you know, he's a more aggressive decision maker. He's got a better arm. Uh, he's better in the pocket altogether. And the propaganda, they just showed you, too. I mean, they made an excuse for Alex Smith. He throws the slant route into the end zone. I can't remember who broke it up. But he threw the ball behind the receiver. Yes. And Booger McFarlane and them got on the TV and said, see, the receiver's got to go get that ball. What? It's a slant route. Nobody goes backwards and then up to the line of scrimmage to catch a slant route. Uh, no. It was a bad throw, but it just went into the propaganda, and they were going to like beat that to death all day long. It's going to be very interesting watching the Monday Night Football crew this year. Yeah. Tessitore wants to take you to his Italian deli in the back and get some, some <laughs> gabagool and some capicola and... And then, uh, you know, Witten's going to give you exactly what the coaches see. And I don't know exactly what Booger's role Bo- is going to be. Booger's a really, really well-informed guy. I'll say that. He loves football. He watches it all. So you're not gonna, it's not going to be like this is but some like, idiot I told you that to he's a watching above the line, and you were like, no one watches above the line. Yeah, I, I wouldn't like ever watch Yeah, right down the line of scrimmage. No, it, that's, it's tough to see what's really going on when you look at that angle. Yeah, Sim said this to me before. If you ever go to a football game, it's better to be 20 yards behind the play. Play. Right. That's where you see the gaps, what they're trying to do. Right. The play callers are always there. You know, think about your offensive head coach, play callers, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. They're usually a little bit behind the play because you could see uh, if you're an offensive coordinator, you can go, oh, the, the Mike linebacker is about to blitz in the B gap. If you're right down the line of scrimmage, you just go and he's blitzing. Uh, what, what gap is he in upstairs? Somebody's got to tell right. him. So he could see it through the quarterback's eyes a little bit more that way. And then TV news cameras are always 20 yards in front of the line because you want the touchdown coming towards, towards you. you. Right, yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, what other guys? A lot of people Josh were... told me to stop swearing. He said, watch my swearing. Just okay. so you know. Well, you know. He must be listening over there. Uh, John Gruden. Some people were upset that you didn't break down John Gruden yet. Oh, okay. Uh, but he was with uh, Peter King with Football Morning in America, and they did a little write-up. And he had a few things I wanted to see if you remember this working with him. Okay, cool. Did, did you ever throw no-lace footballs with John Gruden? Yeah. So apparently with Derek Carr, he's given like a, a bag of a dozen footballs that don't have laces. Oh, okay. And they're thrown at him, and he has to get them out immediately. Okay. Because they found that around 40% of Derek Carr's throws in college, you don't have time to get your hands on the laces. Right. It's a bad snap or right. whatever. Did you do that with John Gruden? Yeah, we did. We didn't necessarily have balls without laces, but we just had to do drills of throwing the ball. You got to get it where you get it in your hand and throw Like when you throw those quick bubble screens or wide receiver screens. You just get screens, it out. Yeah, you can't waste time going, oh, I got to get the laces by the time you do that this the guy's seven yards downfield and you got illegal blockers but and the everything. innovation of balls without laces at all that's new that is new i don't i've never i don't think i've, I've never, never seen, seen a football. football i don't think i either it's like an australian rules football right. or something. that's <laughs> pretty cool uh gruden this is like such coach i'm i'm just grinding so hard i can't even see my wife i'm trying to match my work ethic from 15 years ago that's number one you got to get everyone on board i haven't seen my wife in like three weeks she's got to be on board it's such a coach thing yeah. to take 
pride in not seeing your family. Yes, it, 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 and especially for the old school oh. coach. You know, when's the last time you seen your wife? Two weeks. I'm at three. Yeah, yeah. And I'm that, at three. That John really grinds. You loser. You haven't seen her in twice. Two weeks. You're you're not working very hard. I yeah. know. It it is a stupid thing that goes on in the NFL. Like I've told you before. I mean, there there are certain coaches you just sit there at the end of the day. They're just sitting there to go. I left at ten thirty last night. Yeah, but you didn't do anything from nine to ten thirty. You were just scared to leave because the head coach was still in his office or whatever it is. But Gruden is a grinder. He lives it. And um, is a grinder. the offense, listen, I haven't, I, I've just watched a little bit. I haven't broke down the Raiders yet because they don't play anybody. They haven't played any starters or any good players yet, so I've yeah, a lot just of people wanted you to talk about like Maurice Hurst. We'll and, get into and it. some of the de- like B- uh, PJ Hill. Yes, who right. looked very good. Looks phenomenal. Yes. yes, and they both look enormous. Yes. Well, the thing is, too, I was going to ask you about with with Gruden is part of the reason they didn't play anybody against the Rams. The yeah. Rams didn't play anybody either. Is right. they play Week One of the NFL season. Yes. So McVay and Gruden came out and said, "I don't know why you scheduled us. We're not going to show anything to each yeah. other." But it's funny because like I watched the Seahawks and Russell Wilson plays the whole first half. Yeah. Patriots Tom Brady plays the whole first right. half. Rams and Raiders, I understood what they didn't, but why do some teams have their starters play the whole first half, sometimes even more, and then other teams they get like a drive. Like Matt Ryan played two drives yeah. and that's it. I, I mean there's no rhyme or reason. It's really just on the coach and him having a feel for his players and what he wants. I do feel like a little bit more of the fad as of late is to play some of your starters in the second game and the third game where they used to play a whole half or even in the third quarter, it doesn't go on as long as it used to. I feel like mm. now they're like halfway through the second quarter, they get out, get the, fir- the, the first teamers out of there. But no, it's a total feel thing. And I think that's all Gruden's going by. I look at Gruden with his situation and go, he just doesn't want to put his babies out there until everything's hitting on all cylinders. That would be my guess. Right. He doesn't want Amari and Jordy and Derek Carr and everybody out there unless he, until he feels like, okay, they got the offense. They're ready to do some damage. And the preseason thing I think is fascinating too, like you talked about with the Rams and the Raiders. The, the, the teams themselves have the right to reschedule the preseason games, right? So it's not the league. The really? League, yeah. The preseason games, that's why it's usually regional, right? Right. Like when I was in Tampa, just about every hey, year, we played Jacksonville, we played the Dolphins, we played the Houston Texans, and then we played the Tennessee Titans, all teams that were then like an hour plane ride for us. That's usually how it goes. The owners usually schedule the preseason games. So these owners just did a bad job and not realizing they had to play each other earlier this that's year crazy. or something like that, and they should have done that. So, uh, it, but, but I do look at it like Derek Carr, Jared Goff, I mean – Carr was hurt last year, didn't play great. Goff, I mean, he ended the year on a bad note, and I don't think he's at the point of his career where I can just go, oh, he'll be fine week one, and he'll dice up defenses. Yeah. So that does concern me, and I think we saw the Rams in person, right, you and I? Yeah. We know they got ballers. Sure. One thing scares me about the Rams, and I know it's you too. We're together on this. I do think there's a tremendous drop-off between the first and second team. It's like what we always said about the Seahawks. Exactly right. Is they don't have the depth. They have Everyone knows the Michael Bennetts and the Cliff Averills and all these guys, but behind them there was nobody. Right. And I think when we were out there just kind of looking at the Rams team, yeah. oh, there's Sue. Right. Oh, yeah, when they get Donald, it'll be good. It's like, you're going to rely on Ethan Westbrook's the whole year? Yeah, I know. It's, Linebackers, it's, yeah. you're going to rely on like, Where's the depth there? I know. It's a little, There's it's a little a, light. There is. And, I, and from that standpoint, I think where he has his team and he is kind of their star-driven and top-heavy, yeah, I think he's he realizes that, McVay, I would guess, and he doesn't want to risk any of them getting hurt. 
All right, so we are going to go through uh, uh, one more Gruden thing. Yeah. He was asked, Peter asked him about the $100 million, yeah. and he goes, I'm not making $100 million, just so you know. Well, I never thought Tom Cruise, I never thought his movies were any good, but he's making plenty of money. There's a lot of things I don't understand. No disrespect to Tom Cruise. I'm sure he's a great actor. But you know what? You just go about your life as hard as you can. What? Uh, one, do you think Tom Cruise is a good actor? Uh, I, yeah, I think Tom Cruise gets a bad rap. I'm not going to sit here and say he deserves Oscars, but people make fun of Tom Cruise like none of his movies are good sometimes. And I'm going to go, no, there's like over two dozen that are good. Tom Cruise is a little bit like uh, Odell Beckham. Yeah. We're off the field. People think he's a little bit weird, a little bit out there, and a little bit crazy. Right. But when he's on the field or when he's on the screen, Tom Cruise was good. Tom yeah. Cruise does has legendary films. Some legendary films. He's just with the Scientology and the jumping on the couch right. and the Katie Holmes stuff. Yeah, and it seems a little the weird. The fact that he's five foot five and he's always <laughs> like, I just like to jump off buildings. You're like, all right, Tom, like, chill out, bro. Dude, people say that new Mission Impossible with him is really good, though. That's what everyone keeps saying. Everybody's told me that, too. They discovered action movies for the first time. <laughs> I don't get it. But I just don't know why John Gruden brought it up. But what does he mean he's not getting $100 million? I, uh, who, Getting every fucking cent of that. I, I would think. I don't know if there's some clause in there. I don't really get that either. Yeah, I don't know. He's crazy. He's John Gruden. He's got 9 million thoughts going through his head, and they all came out there in one paragraph. Uh, I want to give a special thank you to uh, MJR underscore 30, who sent me a picture of during the, the Packers... Um, who they play the second game? Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers game. Right. Just a, a quick career stats of Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yes. Just a quick update. Quick update. His touchdown to interception ratio for his career is 313 to 78. It's insane. It's insane. I mean, you were what, 12 to 18? <laughs> yes. Close. I mean, no, it's it's insane. And, and I know we've talked about this before, but we're talking about one of the greatest gunslingers in the history of the sport. That also is the greatest protector of the football in the history of the sport. That, that, that I just hope people understand the the and can quantify that right there because that's like so rare. It's like they're like saying, you know, he, nobody shoots more fadeaway three pointers than this player, but man, he makes he's the greatest shooter of all time. Like I mean, that's what he does. I mean, and Brady's probably the it's very gr- Steph Curry esque. I mean, it really is. Brady's probably the greatest protector of the football we've ever seen, and here Aaron Rodgers is like. 40-something interceptions less than him. Wow. That's where it's just unbelievable. I think, um, so I think one of the more annoying things that I do, other yeah. than interrupting, which I think I'm doing really I don't think well you've been this bad. morning. Yeah, this right. morning I've been great. Uh, the other thing, though, is I, I correct people, and so it's okay if I do it. I'm going to ask in advance. Yeah. You've been using quantify a lot lately. Have I? And I've been noticing it on okay. TV a little bit. Good. Not saying it's bad. Right. Not even no, saying No, but I don't want to use the words think, too many times. Well, well, I'm just realizing that any time that you're discussing numbers, you say, I just hope people can quantify it. <laughs> and I'm just I'm just noticing. I'm just right. seeing a trend. Okay. All right. That's fine. Coach me up. That's yeah. fine. I'm not saying you should I hope stop. People, people can wrap their heads around the idea. Yeah, those two things don't mean the same thing. Yeah, but they do. Quantify and wrap your head around the idea that we're watching a gunslinger who takes That's care of the, the football. That's not the same thing. Well, I'm t- Quantify means to like put into numbers. I, I still am getting the See, same this, point. I shouldn't have done it. I'm no, I'm still getting it. the same point across. And quantify doesn't always mean just numbers. You're like, you're quantifying no, the a number, certain... No, the, the part quant, I think, is like part of quantity. I, I get that. I get that. You know, you're a jerk. Qualify. Right. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't want to. I'm sorry. It's okay. I don't care. It's, okay. Trust me. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, my my day does not go because based on my IQ level. Bullshit. You're going to come home and text me later and be like, I was looking at the definition of quantify. Uh, all right. I definitely so, am going to look it up. Of course. Yes. 
Uh, so let's go through. I have a few of your game notes. I'm going to try and get to all the preseason games and just kind of get our thoughts on everything that we're seeing. Um, I thought- Anything we don't get to film-wise here, I'll get to for the Wednesday, our Perfect. Thursday podcast. Um, so I'm cracking away through so, it. So first thing that let's do is we haven't really talked about the Giants too much. So let's the go. G-men. Let's go Giants-Lions game. Okay. I already looked at your notes. I'm going to read the parts that I think are, are big. Go ahead, A kid. few notes and then one to talk about. Yeah. First note I liked. You're really impressed with Evan Ingram. You say he really looks like he could be special. Yes. Uh, you also said on the on the the giant side a little bad. It's the second week in a row that you're just kind of eh on Alec Ogletree. Yes, which Alec, is disappointing. It is disappointing to me. Ogletree, to me, looks like he has lost a step. Now he could still be camp legs. It can maybe he has an injury that he's not quite feeling himself. I don't know that, but I'm just telling you through two preseason games, I've watched every play he's played in. And yeah, I just, it's eh. eh something's eh, off. Right, something's off. What's not off, though, is where we're going to focus on. Okay. You wrote that the Giants' first team defense whooped the shit out of the Lions. And you wrote the Giants' front seven is big. Yeah. Kareem Martin is beasting. Yes. You wrote down all the names on the Giants' front seven, and yeah. I'd like to add something to right. that. Please do. The Giants' first team defense in two preseason games on 28 snaps has given up 19 yards rushing. I'm, gra- I'm glad you said that. It okay. makes me feel good because I don't chart that, but it just, yes. to my eye, it looks like they're whooping ass a lot. What are you seeing right now from the Giants' defense, well, specifically the front yeah, seven? Yeah, the front seven, first off, is the size. You know, you got a, this is like a 3 4 hybrid type defense, right? And when you have guys like Kareem Martin and Olivier Vernon on the edge of that defense, Kareem Martin's an outside linebacker who's, I'm going to read his exact uh, size here. I mean, he's 6'6, 272. Okay, you, you, that's called setting the edge. That's that's a big man to be playing, and you're out. not even mentioning snacks in the middle. No, and then the other edge is Olivier Vernon, who's built like a chiseled Greek god. Yeah, and he is on the other side at six two, two hundred and sixty two pounds right. as the outside linebacker slash DN. Then you get to the middle part of the defense, right? And you talk about holy bacon, ham, egg, cheese sandwich. I mean snacks. <laughs> Dalvin Tomlinson. He's been really impressive. And their draft pick, B.J. Hill from North Carolina State this year, they're immovable. They, really? They are immovable. They are all shade-nosed type of players. Defensive line stoutness in the preseason. Yes. Is that something that you're confident translates to the regular I, season? I am. It's still just grown men holding their ground or pushing people back. What are you seeing different about this Giants defensive line that you didn't see last year? Because Snacks was there, Tomlinson was there, and... Um, Olivier Vernon was Yeah, there. yeah. I think it's just more people at the line of scrimmage, a little bit more aggressive, some of the schemes, the stunts, the things you see up the middle. And with just three guys that are basically pluggers like that, I mean, Tomlinson, Snacks, and Hill, you know, uh, Tomlinson and Hill are like 315, somewhere along that line. And then you got a Snacks who's 340. Mm. They're just not going to lose any one-on-one matchup to anybody. So you're going to have to double-team them. And then you double-team them and you don't move them there. Then it just causes absolute chaos. And then they're, they're linebackers. They're middle linebackers, too. Like Ogletree, yes, I haven't been impressed with him, but he ain't afraid to thump. And then right. the other guy, B.J. Goodson, the kid from Clemson, uh, he's another one that he's not afraid to throw his body around. So they're not going to lose many physical head-to-head matchups. That's the one thing Especially I feel Especially going about. up against a Lions team that kind of put all their eggs in the new offensive line basket with yeah. Taylor Decker and Frank Rabnow and Glasgow and Lang. It's and a little Wagner. disappointing. But 
when you say this with the Giants D line, yeah. how does it impact you forecasting them? Uh, it, I mean, it, I just look at the division first of all, and the three other teams they have to play in that division are capable of dominating people with their offensive line. And I think that's where they probably did it first. They probably thinking of the Cowboys and your Eagles going, man, we could get steamrolled by them if we don't have the right personnel. Uh, and the Redskins O-line, which people are sleeping on, is up there as well. And I just look at that and I go, yeah, there's not going to be too many games where any team is going to physically dominate the line of scrimmage and take the ball out of their hands and run the ball 37 minutes off the clock. You know what I mean? That That is not going to happen. The concerns with the Giants are still in the back end, yes. in my opinion. Relying on Eli Apple all year, even though I know he was better. He was better. The, the biggest thing to me was the kid they put, the Riley kid they put in. Uh, number 35. Okay. He's a third-year kid out of Fresno State. Darian Thompson was underwhelming in week one, and I don't think he can play free safety in the NFL because I don't think he's fast enough. That's my biggest issue, and that was his issue coming out of college. They put this Curtis Riley there, who's a cornerback, but he's six foot 190. It made their defense look better. He can cover more ba- room in the back end because they want to ultimately play Landon Collins near the box, near the I line of scrimmage. Imagine. Right. All right, let's go to – and that was good because I think that's – the Giants are one of those teams this year that you go – their record last year I don't think indicates the talent on that roster. Right. And, and they are a, a, an undoubtable bounce-back team. We are going to make our official season predictions, I'm going to say, next Wednesday. Okay. So we're going to get through week three of the preseason, give ourselves Monday to kind of recap it. Next Wednesday, I want to do division winners, who goes to the Super Bowl, who wins the Super Bowl, okay. MVP, Offensive Rookie of the Year, all that stuff. That cool. will be our big show next Wednesday. Okay. Uh, I went through and picked all my division winners, and I threw it out. I'm starting again. Okay. Because... <laughs> You didn't I, I just watched it. again. I was like, I just reacted too heavy off one preseason game. Yeah, when I got right. Stopped. Yeah, it's it's hard. So let's now go to Jets Washington. Mm-hmm. This is a game. We'll start off with the Jets. It's a game. What's up? Hey, you said, said you said Jets Washington. This is a game. <laughs> and I didn't finish. <laughs> Fuck. This is a game. Uh, this this is a game that because it was a national attention. Uh, I think people watched a little bit of it. But the big storylines were Teddy Bridgewater was great. Sam Darnold was whatever. Here are some of your notes just from the Jets. First off, you wrote this with three stars. Jets hit gold with Nate Shepard. Second week in a row that he pops has a great looking body. Yes, he does. I wrote down on mine. Right. I just wrote. Uh, I guess I didn't transcribe it on this, but I wrote Nate Shepard fills out a uniform. Yes, he does. He looks the part. This is a D lineman, right. correct? D lineman, uh, great looking body. He's the kid out of Fort Hayes State that I was a little unsure of in my draft evaluation. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, he was like a bouncer and he, all that. Yes, stuff. exactly right. And you know, he was it's small, it's small football, small college football, and he didn't dominate quite the way I would expect somebody with his measurables to dominate. Um, but man, he's been a pleasant surprise. I mean, he he can throw people around and. Like you said, he's just so well put together. Great legs. It's I proportional, mean, but it's enormous. It is enormous. And some unreal arms that go along with it. He's not the only one. You wrote, yeah. Jets have so many good-looking front seven guys, but they don't have any fuck-the-play-up total baller. Yes, right. That's so you're looking issue. at them, and you're seeing a lot of good pieces. Yep. But you're not seeing, like, not even Leonard Williams? Leonard Williams, no. It's not as, as disruptive as I would like. And I would even say they, that none towards of them just last get year. Beat. No, there's just not enough. None of them get beat. You're exactly right. They don't lose matchups. There's a lot of stalemates, all of that. 
but there's not that one guy like we've seen in those next level defenses who, you know, whether it was the Texans in their day or, you know, Malik Jackson and the Broncos. And I know I'm bringing up special defenses, oh, but just guys that can go and shoot through a gap and create havoc and then somebody else gets to bear the fruits. I mean, they need uh, Jordan Jenkins to get like 12 sacks this year. Yeah, and, and that's just not his game. No, it's not. I mean, again, they're another team that they're, nobody's going to bully the Jets off the field, but I don't know if they're going to be able to, in those games where they're bullying they and they're the physical, yeah, can they make a play to change the tide of the football game? That will be the big the big question for them. You are not worried on the Jets defense, though, about their safety. No. You wrote that Jamal Adams might be the best in-the-box safety in the NFL. Are you willing to put your name on it right now? I, I am. You know, I'm, and, and I, I, as you were saying it, I was like, oh, yeah, I did write that. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just looking through teams, and I just want to go real quick. I mean, challenge me if you feel like there's anybody there. I mean, Landon there. Collins Landon's, was the first name that comes to mind. Exactly right. Keanu Neal is the other guy maybe you put in that I, conversation. I could argue very strongly for Keanu Neal. And, and, and He's totally like historic forced fumble rate right yes, now. Yes, he is. And, and there's very similar. I mean, Keanu Neal, Florida, SEC, Jamal Adams, SEC, LSU. Oh, Landon Collins, SEC, Alabama, shocker. Okay, but I don't necessarily view Harrison Smith as an in the box. No, safety. he's a little bit of both. Versati- right. Versatility. I don't think either of the Jaguar safeties are at the level of Jamal Adams. I would agree with that as well. Um, I, I don't, don't really see anybody. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody in that class of those three guys, at least as far as in well, the Marcus box. Marcus Joyner is not an in the box guy. No, he's kind of a hybrid guy. Exactly right. You and know, there's nobody else. Yeah, Honey Badger's a hybrid guy. So these are guys I'm talking about with the Neil Jamal Adams, Landon Collins. Who they can you can put them an outside linebacker and they're going to be like oh they're they're fine they can take a tight end on oh the guard's pulling they can set the edge on the guard and and you know pop them either but way how special is Jamal he's so special I think the thing that I'm amazed by first of all his base and his legs his just twitchiness is a lot like Cam Chancellor reminds me of his ability to be like almost like Spider Man with the legs real wide and he can just hop around and change direction and then as soon as he sees oh I want to go straight ahead run there he can fly I mean his Two steps, he's up to full speed. But it's the ability to squeeze through gaps and get an arm on the running back as he's going through the tackle. And he might not make the tackle, but he slows him down enough to where everybody jumps on and he only gets a yard. Yeah, It's those kind of plays. His presence, it's not fuck the play up, but it's, oh, damn, Jamal's there. I don't want to go in that hole. Let me go somewhere else. He's the number one guy where I'm watching the game, and I have to rewind it 10 seconds because I saw a blur. Yeah, exactly right. I didn't know who it was. Exactly right. It is. Uh, The other thing, though, for the Jets on offense that I think is interesting, I wrote it down upon first watch. I said, I wrote, I'm still worried about Sam's arm strength, Sam Darnold. I'm just going to put this out there. I like Sam Darnold a lot. Right. In fact, I... I'm going to be a little bit biased towards Sam Darnold. I get so it. So I'm going to admit this to everybody now because I'm rooting for Sam Darnold. You guys, so are, no, you guys are besties. We're talking. He's a good kid. But, you know, I'm a mentor. That's my thing. <laughs> but I'm just going to put that out there so you can always – I'm never going to badmouth the kid. Yeah. Okay? He's not Bortles. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> that, the, well, the, but that, that needs to be talked we're, about. We're going to get to that too. <laughs> okay. But with with Sam Darnold, I did see this, and I'm trying to find exactly what it was. They did all of the spray the, chart or the whatever spray charts of all the quarterbacks. Yeah. Okay, and Darnold's 21 throws, all short. 17 of them were six yards or less, yeah. and his deepest throw was 16 yards. Right. You wrote. Do the Jets, A, have a downfield passing game? And you thought that Darnold's quick game decisions and accuracy was very good, but yeah. you still haven't seen the big-time throw. Right. 
was it open and he didn't take it or did they just not dial it up? Yeah, no, they haven't dialed it up really. So that's the first thing I know. Did you see them dial it up with Teddy? Well, they dialed it up a little with Teddy, which is, yes, that makes me think like, and again, they're trying to frame the narrative and build this kid's confidence and do the things that he does really well. And he, man, is he good at reading a defense and getting it out of his hands? He quickly. really is. And he was, a, he was impressive in the game. He again. goes through his reads real fast. Yeah, he really does. And his ability to get the ball out with that motion real quick. It's phenomenal. His feet don't always have to be perfect nope. and he can still sling it out there. I'm with you as far as I haven't seen that wow throw or consistent like ooh, those are some impressive throws like i've seen out of allen mayfield and rosen um yeah i think with him lamar jackson same thing lamar's impressed me with some of his throws but not nothing down the field yet where i go oh there is the guy i saw right. whipping it around against florida state right. Darnold, yeah this would have been my question about him coming in the draft when the pockets there and there's a time to be made where big throws are open down the field can he will he step on the pedal and force the issue in there i mm. do think he can do that but i don't think he's ever going to wow us with like the 101 mile per hour fastball i just no, don't, I don't think that's in, i don't think that's in his game i don't no. think it is but he can still make it work the way but he plays but he's also crafty enough crafty as hell where i he's going to do things that i don't think i, I could ever predict i think so too. It's like it's like kind of a trade off with him in a yes, weird way. Yes, exactly right. What do you do, GM Chris Sims? Yeah. Are you trading Teddy Bridgewater? Are you starting Teddy Bridgewater? Are you starting Josh McCown? I heard you say this on Pro Football Talk, and I loved it. Yeah. There's this notion that if you start Josh McCown, you win. Right. When did he become the best quarterback in the NFL? Thank you. It was a very good point. Thank you. So what do you do? Yeah, I just I'm sick of hearing that. Well, the you know the Jets, the brass, the coaching staff, they want to play the older guy because they think. You know, yeah. When did Josh McCown become the guy that makes your team thirteen and three? I mean, let's we we he threw the ball into the Jaguars defense. Exactly. Last I mean, year. there's been a number of bonehead plays. Yeah, I, I would almost say that I think Sam might protect the ball more than Josh McCown. I think just the way could. he plays. You're right. Exactly right. And plus, if you're a rookie you and you're want. scared to be. You're scared to be that guy yeah. early plus, on. Plus, he's a little bit more mobile, and it could work. But uh, what would you do? I still would play Sam Darnold. He's and still your starter. He was, he's my starter. He's done enough. And I, you know, people are talking about his interception. You know, a lot it was like a tip ball, and it was fourth and three. He had to force the issue. People are forgetting the situations, like the Josh Allen play from two weeks ago. It was fourth and three. There's nobody there. He ran around like to throw it away I, and then turn the ball yeah, over. Yeah, anyway. exactly mm. right. So he was forcing the issue. I have no problem with the interception. Uh, everything I've seen though has been very positive from him to this to this point. Um, and I do. I think Teddy Bridgewater looked good again in the game. He really did. Moved a little bit more this time. So why not play throws. Teddy? Because. Uh, I don't think the future is Teddy, and I don't think it's going to give them that greater of an advantage. Like, oh, okay, so they start Teddy all year, they go 8-8, eight and eight, and if they start Sam Darnold, they go 7-9. and nine. And then Teddy's not here next year, and what was the point? To go seven and nine with Sam Darnold, and then maybe the year after you can go ten and six and make the playoffs because he has. So that you're experience. not worried about kind of starting Sam off there against a tough. I like. I know they have a tough early schedule. Uh, I'm gonna... I actually think the beginning of the schedule. There's there's one part of their schedule. And I know I've gone over it before that I think it actually makes the most sense to play Sam Darnold, right? Because they start off Monday night at Detroit, right? Which is not the easiest way to go. But I think if you start him to start but, the but year, why not? The next two games, yeah. At home against the Dolphins, right? At the Browns, right? And did Detroit? That's when you start them. I okay. W w did Detroit become the Steel Curtain all of a sudden too? No. So I, I'd say go after them. I think that's when you start them. I think that the Jets are in a very similar situation that the Eagles were in two years ago. Yes. Where maybe they weren't ready to play Carson Wentz right away, but they started the year with Br uh, Browns at homes at Bears, and they went. Now's the time because. 
you're not putting him at Jacksonville week four. No. But if he has three weeks before that, exactly. it could be a little bit better. I, I think that's the, I think that's totally the way to go. And I'll, I'll say this. Because um, they play the Patriots after their bye, well, and I wouldn't do that to anybody. No, Well, yeah. And let me just, like, this, this, this common notion of, oh, we have to protect our rookie quarterback. We don't want to ruin his confidence earlier. No, I'd be the opposite. I'd be like, let's throw him out there and get him going. If his confidence gets ruined by week five or six and he's ruined as a player, mm. we don't need. he's not our quarterback of the future. So then He's going to answer the question for you. In that notion, and I know we're going to get to this a little bit later, but Tyrod Taylor, Baker Mayfield. I know, that's the tricky What's the gap one. there? Yeah. Is I, it a bigger gap? I think it's close. I think it's close. I mean, because I think Josh Allen's better than Nathan Peterman already. Well, yes, that's and so that's no not even a debate, that. right? I think that there may be a sizable gap between Sam Bradford and Josh Rosen for right now, right? But Baker and Tyrod kind of feels even too, very, very even. And and, and that, if that's the case, I, I know start Baker. I, I I err on that. Now the Browns are slightly different just because of their team. They've gone one and thirty-one. They have to go. Mm. Okay, are we willing to and take thrown guys in the fire before? That's and it's really it hasn't backfired. worked. So it is a very unique situation. But if Baker Mayfield's everything they're telling me to be, this great pro, great head on his shoulders, awesome leader, unfazable, uh, whatever then damn, he's showing me enough right now that he's capable of, you know, handling the workload. He's yeah. not going to be intimidated by the big lights. And, you know, we know what Tyrod Taylor is. He's a good quarterback. He's towards the bottom of the NFL as far as a starting quarterback. He's not going to be top 20. He's somewhere maybe 20 through 28. He's going to take care of the ball, make a play from time to time. But the thing that always bothers me about Tyrod Taylor, and you, you know this, we've talked about this, is it's the plays that, ha- that were there to be had during the game that he doesn't take advantage of. So people go away from the game and go, oh, well, he played pretty good. He was 18 for 25 for 220 yards and one touchdown and no interception. And I want to go, yeah, but there was like six completions that the top 15 quarterbacks in football would have slung it in there and they might have gone for 60-yard bombs and they would have won the game by 20 points, but instead they had to play a defensive struggle and lost 13-10. to 10. And Your issue with him, too, is his inability sometimes to see over the line. Yeah, I think he's careful. He needs to I think he's out. careful, and Baker's not careful that way. I would have moved on to that game, but I do not want to avoid talking about the Washington D-line oh. because both of you came in the next day and were like, oh, both of you, me and you. <laughs> Uh, you wrote Deron Payne, the 13th pick in the draft that a lot of people are like, why didn't they take Derwin James? You wrote he has special ability and special legs, and you underlined them. I wrote down in mine, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Ryan Anderson, Ryan Kerrigan, Preston Smith. The Washington, all of a sudden, they're only drafting Alabama guys. <laughs> right? Ryan Anderson, Allen, and Payne are all Alabama guys, which is a good strategy. Yes. But their D-line out of nowhere. And to hammer it home, Gruden said, we feel really confident, this is Jay Gruden, we feel really confident that Deron Payne is going to be a force in this division for a lot of years. Linebacker Mason Foster added, said, me and Zach Brown are running through gaps, trying to hit the running back, but those windows were closing. It's crazy to see. On the field, with these guys, there's nowhere for the running backs to go. Yeah. Payne's taking on two dudes and making the tackle. <laughs> it's incredible to sit behind them and look at the running back and be like, they got to come to us. <laughs> like So even the coaching staff and the players are going, yeah. 
And you said it last week. You heard from Washington yeah. that Deron Payne was special. Right. But, man, does it flash on the screen. It really does, right? I mean, they just it, – it's again, it's a little like you were talking about with Jamal Adams. You just go, man, things look chaotic in the middle of that run play there. What the hell was it? And they show the replay, and you go, man, Jonathan Allen ripped through the gap, ran over somebody. Deron Payne threw one guy in the ground, yes. got in the gap, made the tackle. I watch a lot of guys, and there's a lot of hand fighting. Yeah. But with Deron Payne, it's like one hand movement happens. Right. He re- adjusts himself and then runs at the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like everyone else is like, ah, ah, ah. Duran just goes, Doosh. It's very, he kind of reminds me of Fletcher Cox. I hear you. He's, he's built a little bit differently than yeah. Fletcher. He's not that big behemoth quite, no. but yes, it's, it's dominant like that. It's almost like a, is yeah. he a Calais Campbell? Yeah, he's not that big either. It's almost I, I, I've said he was Kawan short, but he's got more muscle than Kawan yeah, short. He's Jack. He's almost like a Aaron Donald Kawan short combination, right? Aaron short. Aaron short. Kawan Donald or a Fletcher uh, Donald. Uh, Cox Donald. Aaron Cox. <laughs> Thank you. Man, so Something I mean, like this that. is all big names that we're saying about Deron Payne. Uh, Deron Payne looks really special to me in that game. And, like, yeah, I, I did have a, a little heads up about how special he was looking. And Jonathan Allen, again, we knew what kind of stud he was going to be. And not to, you know, undersell him, he was pretty damn awesome in the game as well. All right, Pat's Eagles, you have some notes here. I heard uh, someone on one of the morning talk shows today talk about how Isaiah Wynn injury was, was crazy because look who's starting at tackle. It's Trent Brown. He got traded for like a fourth round pick. What's he? And I want to go, are you watching the game? I know. Because if anybody goes and watches on Game Pass or if it's on NFL Network and you see the great wall standing at left tackle, realize that, holy crap, the Patriots got Trent Brown, who was rated as the number one PFF right tackle run blocker last year, and they moved in the left tackle. And I didn't see anybody get past him all game. Right. And there's a lot of guys on the Eagles that could take a chance at him. You wrote, Trent Brown looks good, was a force in the running game. Dante Scarnecchia has him right. Yes. So that's the, the reason it scared me when they made the trade. Right. Is you're taking this guy that's six foot eight, 380 pounds, right. with good feet, and you're giving him to arguably the greatest offensive line coach the NFL has ever seen. Right. And you're seeing something special. Yeah, I, I am. I mean, because it, it's a better looking body. It's like he trimmed some of the fat off of himself a little bit, so he's moving better. But, you know, before everybody evaluates and see how this experiment goes out, you know, first thing is, how about you just trust some of the people that have great knowledge and are really great at their jobs? I mean, last time I checked, Skarnecki is going to go down in the his- in history as one of the greatest O-line coaches ever. And Bel- yeah, and Belichick, he knows what he's looking for in offensive linemen, too. He's been around a lot of good ones. And plus, how many years have they had non-athletic guys and still made it work. Right, because they saw the potential there, and they knew there was enough there for them to work with, and then Skarnecchia coaches them up. And I'm reading quotes from, like, Matt Light that are like, this guy could be unbelievable. He could be unbelievable. He could be, he's do a franchise left tackle. Do you think the Patriots found their left tackle for a long time? I do, yes. I think they're willing to ride, ride at home with him for a little while, and as long as they keep his weight under wraps, then it'll be no issue, because he is. He's a special combination. It's a little bit like you know, our guy that came out of Oklahoma that's on the Ravens, Orlando Brown. Yeah, I don't really care what his 5'10'5 is in his 40. Last time I checked, the left tackle doesn't have to run that. Can he stop uh, Von Miller from running him over? Can he push Von Miller or Khalil Mack by the quarterback right. when they do get the edge? Right. Those are those things those guys can do because of their great size, and they have foot quickness. And 
And Niners fans, I, I don't think, should be that upset because he didn't fit what Kyle wants exactly to do. Exactly right. He fits perfectly what the Patriots yes. want to do. But Kyle needs the McGlinchies, and he needs the guys that a are a little, little bit athletic, smaller, and right. they can run. Like, Trent Brown's athletic, right. but he's not running on no. a pull. They're asking Trent Brown to block down and collapse the left side of the defensive line where Kyle was asking him at the right tackle, hey, we want you to run down the line of scrimmage and then maybe work your way up to the will linebacker, mm-hmm. and he was barely capable of doing that. Other side of the Patriots-Eagles games and uh, game, and I'm a little upset. Yeah. I wrote down mm-hmm. Nick Foles was awful. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, it was it was a little overwhelming for me how bad he looked. Yes. Um, you wrote, Nick Foles did not throw the ball well, be interesting to watch, and then this part really hit me hard. You wrote, might be back to reality. <laughs> are you Does telling you a big upper lip? Are you telling me <laughs> that the Vikings game in the Super Bowl may have been like a few good games for Foles, but now he's back to just the Dallas Cowboy Raiders games? I, I mean, that's there's more evidence of that in his career than. To suggest the other side. Okay, this is going to be really messed up. Yeah. So Carson Wentz is back at 11-11. Nick right. Foles is okay after the injury. Right. If that's the case, I'm actually rooting for it. I hope right. that Nick Foles ends up having, and this is so bad, Nick, I love you. Like, thank you so much for the Super Bowl. You're incredible. But if Nick just happened to have the two best games of his life in the NFC Championship in the Super Bowl yeah. and then never plays well again, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. That's even better. That's even better. Yeah. The fact that Nick Foles played the game of his life and got me a ring. Right. Oh, but it's a little scary in the current situation because we don't know how Carson's going to be, but he looks good. Yes. But you're a little concerned about Nick Foles. Yeah, I, I mean, and again, I'm not going to sit there and overjudge the statistics and how that looked. It's not about that. I'm not looking at statistics right. at all. It's about I'm just the saying look he you didn't saw. hit a single guy in the flat. Right. He didn't connect with anybody across the middle. No. None of his deep balls looked good, and he was, like, very uncomfortable in the pocket. I, exactly right. You said it. And the, even on the completions, I didn't like the quality of the football, the way it looked. It was wobbling. It was barely spinning. Right. Yes. All all those things. He was throwing the ball and like his whole head and body was moving forward like he was a baseball pitcher. Quarterbacks don't do that. You sit on your back leg and you rotate. You don't see Aaron Rodgers like throw a ball and his foot his head goes with the ball like three feet. Can't forward. leave with your head. Yeah, you can't do that. So Ever. uh it was not a good look. And uh yeah, it is a little concerning to me. And now of course he's got he had a upper body issue to begin with. Now his shoulders a little sore. Yeah. And I, I just think little games like that should solidify in Eagles fans. Just go like, he won a Super Bowl. It was awesome. He played great in the Super Bowl. He played great in Minnesota. But the stars aligned perfectly for him, and they had to work really hard to make him feel comfortable in the month leading up to that game. Let's not talk about. Let's not forget about. I know from Eagles coaches that all they did before the Atlanta game was. How are we going to get Nick ready? They were stressing out. They were having seven heart attacks a night while they were doing it. They came up with the perfect game plan. They just got by against the Falcons. Let's not forget, they didn't score a damn point for a quarter and a half against the Minnesota Vikings. And then there was that interception return, kind of changed the momentum of the game. The next drive was a nice long drive, run game, and a few nice passes. And then the wheels fell off in the Minnesota Vikings. So, again, I'm not Man, trying to take anything away. Throws. He had some amazing Flea throws. Was certainly. Great. Yes. That throw to, that touchdown to Corey Clement in the, in the Super Bowl was incredible. Was phenomenal. I mean, yes. all his, he had a lot of great throws in the I Super just, Bowl. I just find myself getting defensive. I know. 
this is the Eagles fan perspective of a reasonable Eagles fan. Yeah. I know that when the season starts, it's going to turn into Carson Wentz versus Nick Foles. Yeah, right. And the scary thing is, is when you have debates, you want to disparage one party as you build up the other. I am a Carson Wentz guy. Yeah. He's going to be our guy for a decade. Right. I am not anti-Nick Foles. No. But that's you. what's going to happen in the media. Well, Nick can do this, and Nick won the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz didn't win the Super Bowl. They won it without him. He's obviously not that important. Like It's like this nonsense, but that's where it's going to go. Yep. But I also... I, Nick, whatever he did for those two games. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. Nothing can ever, nobody can ever take that away from him. All right. Uh, Steelers, Packers. I'm going to go. Uh, obvi- we both left going Terrell Edmonds to all the people that gave the Steelers bad draft grades right. for taking him at the end of the first round. You're crazy. Right. You wrote, he pops. He has great size, great presence. His man to man skills are phenomenal. Yes. He kind of has a little bit of that Jamal Adams, Cam Chancellor on both feet type of thing, too. He He's like a Spider Man out there. Yes, he does. And, and if you watch the film, you're going to look at a few plays and go, oh, it looks like they beat him or whatever. No. The scheme, he did what he was asked to do. He made one negative play to me the whole game, and that was there was a ball thrown out into the left flat on a third down, and he missed a tackle, and they ended up getting the first down the Green Bay Packers when the second team offense was in there. Other than that, he did exactly what he was coached to do. He was around the ball a lot. Uh, and yes, he does pop, and he can do everything in that back end. Their secondary... You know, it gets interesting because Morgan Burnett's a nice pickup for them. Sean Davis isn't playing. Right. So they got a little speed. You think about Artie Burns and they got Hayden over there. You know, it's a little bit better than years past. That's what's intriguing about the Steelers. It's going to be the linebackers. The linebackers are going to be the big thing in the middle of the defense. That's the big question. And I think that's where we might see Edmonds come into play. Because gotcha. he might have to be that guy that gets down in the box. Here, you got a little cliffhanger on your... Uh, there we go. All right. Let's make sure we don't slap five later. Okay. That's oh, why left we hand, fist bump. Left hand. Left hand. Fist bump. Uh, all right. So there's two guys, though, that this is a perfect example of the public gets excited off a play, and Chris is here to dump a little water on the parade. Just given facts. Yeah. Did you see that touchdown catch by James Washington? Oh, my God. Jumped over somebody. Our, one of our producers, Todd Pellegrino, came and he said, man, I, I, did you see, I see that James Washington catch? Yeah, which was a great catch. You watched the film and you wrote, I don't give a shit what Washington's stats were. It doesn't look good. He can't get open. His route running is below average. Big play came on a double move against the third team for the Packers. Was there at any point where when the Steelers drafted James Washington and you saw this touchdown that you went, oh, no, I evaluated him wrong? Well, uh, I was – no. When the Steelers drafted him, because the Steelers have such great history at receiver – that I did go, uh-oh, like, damn. I may have made a mistake. Maybe he looks better in person than he does on film or whatever it and may be. And you watched the film, yes. and you went, I was right. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right. I know that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah, I, again, not to say he can't add value to that team. There, there's no doubt about it. First of all, he's not the third receiver. The The third receiver is uh, Justin Hunter, right, when the starting offense was out there. And then Darius Hayward. Ben. Yes, right. And, and, and really um, – yeah, I just don't see it with James Washington as far as the ability to separate or crafty enough route running to win that way. He got open on one route. It was a bootleg when Dobbs got in there. He ran a comeback. He caught it along the lights, the right sidelines. Again, it was like a second or third team corner. But yeah, I don't see it. And I'm not into stats. Again, it's about the look. 
you know, uh, listen, maybe if he proves to me he can go up and moss people on the regular, then I'll go, damn, it doesn't matter if he gets open. Okay, he's got a special skill to go up and do this. But I'm not willing to give him that crown against the third-team defenders of the Green Bay Packers yet. Speaking of which, the Washington kid, Cam Sims, did you see him going up? I did, yes. That caught your eye, right? He is a, yes. I felt the same way. Cam Sims for Washington, Mm -hmm. and finally... Uh, the guy for the L.A. Chargers, Mike Williams. Oh, yeah, I know. I went that. Those were both elite jumpers, right. pinpoint 50-50 guys. Yep. That's a skill set. It is a skill set. So if he can continue to prove them that he can do that consistently, then I'm wrong. Because they really don't be... have that on the roster. No, they don't. That's not Juju's specialty. It's not. For a bigger guy, you're right. It's not something that he no, does No, he kind of has his feet on the ground. Antonio actually is crazy enough that's really awesome at it for being a guy that's 5'10". Right. It's amazing. You're right. He's incredible. He's incredible at it. The other highlight is... Cornerback Josh Jackson, yeah. pick six. Oh, man, he looks like he's going to be special. Another guy that you weren't that high on. Yeah. And you wrote, Josh Jackson cannot be trusted in man-to-man coverage. His short area quickness, his transitions are underlined, not impressive. Second team nickel. His interception, zone defense, great ball skills, that's what he is. Right. So there's another example of a highlight gets on the internet. Yep. People go, oh, Josh Jackson. And you go, no, I watched the film. Yeah. He has issues in man-to-man. He can't cover man-to-man, plain and simple. I mean, there's a number of clips, and I could show you them when we get done, where you just go, damn, you know, the quarterback just looking over there, that would have been a 25-yard completion and 30-yard completion. He He's a big zone corner with cr- tremendous ball skills. But the problem is with guys like that, this day and age in the NFL, you have to play man-to-man. You, if you can't play man-to-man, you're, you're not going to go to the Super Bowl. You're like the Denver Broncos, right? You know, the Atlanta Falcons were able to do that and give the Patriots trouble uh, in the Super Bowl. You know, you go through the long list of lines. The, the Jacksonville Jaguars, yeah, it's the Seattle scheme, but when they had to match up and play man-to-man against, you know, New England or whoever yeah. it is, they can do that. If you can't play man-to-man with all these pick plays and all these different things that go on in the NFL now, uh, you're going to be hamstrung. Quarterbacks and offenses are too good. You know, take you back to Super Bowl 49. It's the Seattle defense. It's one of the best defenses in the history of the sport. Yeah, okay, but you sit there and play zone. You you might dominate the poor teams in the NFL, but when you get into that game against a good quarterback with a scheme, it's just slow death. It's slow death. How much of Pettin's defense is man? It's gonna zone? be it's gonna be a lot of man with some creative zones, just wrinkles thrown in here and there that he's very good at game planning and taking away a guy in a crucial situation. But I mean, no, it became Revis Island because hmm. Pettin was there with Rex Ryan in the Jets, and that's what they do. And um, Jair Alexander, though, I mean, he has a pulled groin. He had a pulled groin. It was his first action. Man, he started at nickel. Yeah, he's he's lightning. He really is. And Josh Jackson, he can be a player. I just think Josh Jackson, when it's all said and done, is going to be better at safety. I really mm. do. I think that's his position. I don't think you're going to be able to trust him in man-to-man unless it's maybe a big tight end or somebody like that. Uh, one other note, when you rewatched, what did you think of James Conner upon, upon the second yeah, watch? Yeah, no, James Conner's... Because I came away going, this guy's a different guy. He, he definitely You're has, removed from cancer. He looks incredible. Yeah, he's got a little more explosion to him. Yeah, again... I think he's a really good number two. I don't think he's a starting running back in the NFL. Because there were people commenting, going, oh, that's why they're comfortable with Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, maybe. Um, 
you know, they got a guy on their roster too, Jalen Samuel from NC State, who I thought might have been able to be fill that that Le'Veon Bell role as well because he played tight end yeah, and running so back. Is that your little tell that you got? Well, you it would be like something somebody? I would certainly watch, watch for that. Yeah, I was because okay. he, he was that kind of player uh, last year in college. I got to study him a little bit. But hey, Le'Veon Bell's special. But I, I mean, I do think that they could get away. Do you think James Le'Veon Conner. Bell's going to come back fat? No, he's not going to come back fat. He's going to come back totally in really good shape, just not NFL week one running back shape. Do you think he could? Do you think he's going to play this season all out, or do you think he's not going to give it everything? I think he'll give it everything. I don't think guys like Le'Veon Bell, they don't know how to go. What if they run him like four hundred times? They go, "You're not coming back next year anyway. We're pounding you." Then. I, I don't think he's going to say anything. I don't think he is. I don't, don't think, think he cares. So? I think once he gets in that locker room and gets on that field, he's a gamer. And he does a pretty good job of watching out and getting out of way of big blows. He's usually the one to deliver them when you don't expect it because you think you're about to get dimed, and then all of a sudden he lowers his shoulder and yeah. runs you over. Just don't lower your head. I know. Don't lower, yeah, don't lower your head. Uh, Browns, Bills, before yep. we get to the quarterbacks, you wrote something. You called your shot. Okay? Yeah. You wrote. For the second week in a row, <laughs> Miles Garrett yeah. is unblockable. Right. He is my pick for defensive MVP. Yep, lock it in. I'm putting it in right now. There's nothing changing my mind. He's the most impressive rusher I've seen in football so far in the first two weeks of preseason. He's a specimen. And um, his first step in power or taking it back to hard knocks last week when – who was that? Was that Sean Coleman? Or was who was that that got mad at him? Like when he like pushed them back. It was actually like, Greg Robinson. It was Greg Robinson. He pushed them back like ten feet into the quarterback, and Greg Robinson got mad. And he's like, "Well, what? I'm pass rushing. This Block is what we me. do. Yeah, but this is why you're a bust at the number two pick, Greg Robinson. But yeah, Miles Garrett. If he played the whole game against the starters last week against Nate Soldier and the Giants, I have no doubt that he would have had three sacks in that game. And last, and if he played the whole game last last uh, weekend against the Buffalo Bills, he'd have had three more sacks too. Dion Dawkins. Hawkins wasn't starting, was going to stop him, and Nate Solder wasn't going to stop him either. He was all over Eli Manning in the snaps that he was in there. He was very close a few times. Other guys ended up getting the sacks, but he kind of caused the disruption. So defensive MVP. That's my guy right there. I'm going with him. What do we think for sacks for the year? Man, I'm thinking he's like going to be around that. I'm going to go like 16, 17. I think he's going to have a huge year. I really do. I think that D is pretty legit. It's creative, and it's going to be hard to double them with some of the creative stuff that Greg Williams does do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you wrote down the other names, too. You said Avery, Ogunbogobi, Kendricks. You said the Browns has a lot of studs. You didn't write down Jamie Collins or no, I mean, some of the other guys. They, I mean, they're, they're kind good. of understood. Yes, yeah. right, right, right. Yes. Now, there's a lot of impressive-looking guys on that Browns front seven. So the Browns defense in general. Denzel Ward had another really good game. Oh, he was good. Yeah, he was good. Denzel Ward's all over. His ability to mirror and stay in the hip pocket of wide receivers is phenomenal. Like I said, my thing with him will be just can he break up the ball in big games. That's really what I look at once the regular season starts. All right. Baker Tyrod. Yeah. You wrote this. Yeah. What did I write? The thing I like about Baker compared to Tyrod is Baker is aggressive and looking for big plays. Mm -hmm. Tyrod always just plays not to make mistakes. I worry that most of Baker's completions are across the middle. Yeah. Let's go to the first part. Yeah. So you think that Baker and Tyrod are close, but Baker's willing to take the shot. I do. Baker's just got a more aggressive mindset. You know, he comes back, drops back to pass, and goes, all right, 
Where's my 20-yard completion? I want to throw it. Oh, there's two guys there. Let me go to the shorter one. Where I think Tyrod Taylor goes, he gets to the top of his drop, and he goes, is that 20-yard completion wide open? Because that's the only time I'm going to throw it, or I'm going to check it down. Oh, he's not wide, wide open. I'm checking it Tyrod down. Tyrod has some Alex Smith qualities. A little bit. And then not to say that it's wrong. You can win games like that. But I do think for the overall greater potential of your offense and your team, you need a mindset like a Baker Mayfield. Is Baker overly aggressive? No. Or properly aggressive? Properly aggressive. That's the one. You know, he's Who got... is overly aggressive? Jameis? Yeah, Jameis can be overly aggressive. Cam Newton can be overly aggressive. Um... I'm missing some other ones. You know, even Kirk Cousins can be overly aggressive at times to me. Uh, I'm just trying to think if there's anybody else I'm missing. We, we were texting, though. Baker's footwork, his fluidity in the pocket. Such a natural thrower. His ability to cut. And his he has a good pop on his ball. Definitely. He can make every throw. Yeah, I, I think he he has a stronger run with Sam Darnold if we're going to go yeah. that way. like Yeah, to me, if you made me rank the arms themselves, of course, Josh Allen is one. I would probably go Rosen, two. And then Baker Mayfield, not far behind at three. And then he had Darn- Lamar. And then you have Darnold at four. And Lamar at five. Like I've told you, and my my skepticism He's still not throwing the I haven't seen him not, let yeah. it go yet. That's what I need to see out of Lamar. Uh so who are you starting for the Browns week one? I know. This is a it's a t- I, I wanna say go with Baker Mayfield. I just think it's gonna be for the greater good of the organization. Is there a butt there? Well, I I mean I, it, like I was saying before, it's a unique circumstance when you're one in thirty one and there's no mm. winning backbone or culture there. Can't quantify it. I, I think it's qualified. It. I, I just I wanted to know. say it. Shut yeah, up. You're a piece of what shit. would you do? Uh, I kind of want to pull up the pull up their schedule really quick. Yeah, if I may. Um, Who do they open up against? Pittsburgh. I feel like they open up against Pittsburgh every year. You're right. It does feel that way. <laughs> All right. Um, so their their first game is uh, against Pittsburgh. <laughs> Every year. That's unreal. <laughs> How much does Pittsburgh have to pay for that? So their first three games are home against Pittsburgh at the Saints, home against the Jets, yep. and their bye is week 11, and they play at the Bengals after the bye. Man, that's a long time to wait. Now, that's not an easy first three games. That's, that's three. at Raiders in week four, mm. home against the Ravens in week five. There's never going to be an easy point. Those first three games are tough. There's going to be some creative defenses there. But again, you know, I just look at it. You got to look at the greater good sometimes. And I just think if he's your guy, you have the belief in him. Let's go. Let's get the show started. You're going to deal with some bad plays. He's a rookie. I mean, mm-hmm. Peyton Manning set the record for interceptions as a rookie. You know what he did the next year? They were the number one seed in the AFC playoffs. Well, you said that. Teddy's going to give you eight and eight. Darnold's going to give you seven and nine. What's right. Tyrod going to give you? What's Baker going to give yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's like somewhere along that range, too. Like where, yeah, Tyrod may give you eight and eight. The Baker only reason this one feels nine. different is because we're in that locker room with I hard know. knocks. I know. And we're seeing the leadership that Tyrod He's Taylor phenomenal. has. phenomenal. I know. I, I, I personally, because I think that Sam Darnold has the whisperer behind him. He has Josh McCown that's there. And I also think that Sam's demeanor is different than Baker's. Yes, would agree. Sam is a natural kind of leader. Right. 
Baker, I feel like I would be okay with him watching Tyrod go through a, a season. Not a whole season, yeah, okay. but go through week preparations. Go through kind of like what he sees. Maybe see some of the failure. See some of the success. Um, just because like reading your notes and watching them, the Browns defense is going to be there. Yeah. The offensive line's going to be good. Yeah. Um, that I, you're, I don't think there's a fear of... Uh, Tyrod plays really well. We don't need to go to Baker. Oh, yeah. No, no, there's not. No. no but I a- feel like if Teddy plays well, some people might say we don't need to go back to Sam. There's there's an allure to Teddy. There definitely is. And- I don't get it, but there is. Yes. Yeah. I, I know. It's always been like that with Teddy. Uh, and that's fine. I mean, Teddy, he was a first round pick. He's a first he round pick. The playoffs. They yes, lost he did. the game because of a field goal. Nothing he did. I know. That's exactly right. And there, I think there's going to be suitors for Teddy that are going to want to bring him in as their legit backup here at the end of the, if he plays again, good again in preseason game number three, I, I got to imagine there's a few teams that go, we need Teddy as a backup. Let's get to that. Yeah. So Jacksonville, Minnesota, after the game, a Minnesota columnist wrote, that Bortles was so bad that the Jaguars should trade for Teddy. So this is a a, the, the, a guy that just watched the game, okay? <sighs> a Florida Times Union columnist, so someone that probably covers the Jaguars, says Bortles wasn't that sharp, but it's not a huge surprise against the great Vikings defense. Yeah. I don't know why this contingency of Jaguars, like the world, is so willing to stand up for this guy all the time and not go it needs to be done. Here are Chris Sims's text messages oh, gosh, text. during the Jaguars-Vikings <laughs> game. Are you okay with me reading it? Yeah. Uh, Guys, this is to me and Fendrick. Bortles has thrown four passes and three of them should have been picked. One was, it's hilarious. You actually wrote, it's hilarious. It's so bad. He completed a slant, and every other completion is a screen. It's unreal. I have never seen a fifth-year quarterback managed in the second preseason game. I want to root for Jacksonville, but also don't think they deserve to win with bad decisions like keeping him at quarterback. Yeah, yeah. You also went, though, to praise Nathaniel Hackett. How can you not? But what's funny is you... You are calling the Jaguars' offense unstoppable. I know. Even with Blake Bortles. I know. You wrote, the screen game is incredible. Incredible. And Nate Hackett's basic formula of play callings, of of course, their super talented offense, makes them tough to stop. Their O-line is top five. Yep. Their wide receivers are probably top ten. It's yep. better than people realize. Yep. It's deep shots, screen, power game exactly right i don't know how you stop it i know but they just got this guy at the helm that's the one thing that can hold them back yes they should have been up in that game 21 to 3 and instead they were up 6 to 3 no i know and he could throw an interception and it doesn't matter because the next play the defense comes Calais in and, Campbell sacks, fumble, fumble. and they get the ball back and then we go oh well we forgot about that bad play that ruined the game yes. for us doesn't even matter because the defense bails them out i know again i, I i'm some asshole when it comes to blake bortles but the truth hurts sometimes. I don't know what else to say. I think the first point is just kind of what I said. First of all, the Jacksonville is the best team in football. Their O-line is legit. I mean, it, the O-line is better than people would even think because if they had a passing game to be scared of, more people, their running game would even flourish even more, right? But So people are forgetting that, that people go and play Jacksonville and they go, we're worried about that O-line and Leonard Fournette. That's what we're worried about. And then they go, oh, yeah, oh, man. 
well, we got to watch out. Marquise Lee, Dante Mon- yeah. Moncrief, Keenan Cole, all these guys can Mickens. They can all beat man to man. So that's what's scary about them too. But D.D. Westbrook. D.D. Westbrook, right. I mean, it's just unbelievable, the talent they have on their football team. Yes, and I've never seen a preseason game number two where the quarterback was managed. What I mean, do you mean by that? The, I mean, they weren't going to let him make it a disaster. It's, it's second and 20, we're going to hand it off. Oh, it's third and 16, we're going to call a screen. They're never going to let him. The only him... time he passes is on play-action floaters. Exactly right, which is what they're good at because they scare you to death with that run game. You go, oh, gosh, here comes Leonard Fournette, the sledgehammer. And if you throw up 50-50 balls to the names of the receivers you just mentioned, they who are all it. good leapers. Right. Or you saw like the deep cross to the tight end. I think We're that's not the being player. too hard, are we? I, I don't think so. Listen, again, the truth hurts. And when you make $18 million a year at that position, you know, first of all, you shouldn't be listening to me anyways. You should just be focused on your job. Um, but... No, it's just my true feeling evaluation. Again, it's not personal. It's just, just. I guess the big question in all this for me is Doug Marone and and Tom Coughlin. Yeah, I know accountability guys. I know, and they're they're like that game was really bad. I know, and Marone's amazing. I mean, a Marone and Nate Hackett, they have realized that they have to manage Bortles, and they find great little ways. To always just make sure it's in his comfort zone, like you said, like I've always told you, I can predict a lot of their plays because once I see the formation, I know the things they're comfortable with him doing, and they're going to find some sort of variation to do that. So uh, again, they're going to be able to win football games, and they're a pain in the butt. The problem is if they get into some games against teams that go, okay, we're not going to be physically overwhelmed by your run game all the time, like the Giants. Yes, and we have a good feel for your scheme pass wise. Is he going to be able to make some of those plays to get them over the edge? And that first game of the year, Giants, is going to be amazing. That, I mean, that's going to be a kill fest. Those kill two. fest right. on the other side. So when I first moved into my apartment, yeah. uh, a lot of people said, Adam, are you concerned that you have a fifth floor walk-up? And in the beginning, man, did I have excuses. It's free exercise. Look at my butt and my legs. It's not that bad. All that stuff. <laughs> and what happens now that I've lived there for almost two or three years is that it's become too much. That I've realized that it's prevented me from doing so many things. I get home after a long day of work. When I have to go up those five flights, I'm not going back out. I'm not meeting up with friends. I'm not going out for dinner. I'm not going to get drinks. I'm tired, okay? Because I've had to adjust my life to the fifth floor walk-up. Right. No doubt that's the reason Blake Bortles wears number five, because he is the fifth floor quarterback, the fifth floor walk-ups of quarterbacks. It's not, is it a good apartment? Yes, it's a great apartment. But it's if it was on the first floor, or if it was like an easy to get to, or I had an elevator, but I have to make all these reasonings as to why it's okay. I know. And that's what I see with Bortles. Yes. They're defending something that they know is wrong. And I just don't understand because... It's the number one thing that I thought the military was great at. The military doesn't allow you to lie. The military, the truth is there. We will not. And yet they still do it. And I, I agree with you. It's, it's partially why I'm going to give a little preview. I'm thinking about leaving the Jaguars out of the playoffs this year. Yeah, I, I hear you. It, because it, it can get ugly with them, you know? Yeah. I, they can't score touchdowns all the time on defense. Right. You know, like Calais Campbell forced a fumble and it got recovered there. And it's an amazing. And every other team should go get the ball in the 35. The Jaguars are the only team they are like, man, I wish you could return that to the 20. Yeah. I really wish you're you right. could have scored. You should have scored. I know. Yeah. Like they're, but like, we have that expectation with them, too. Because they did it last year. I know. 
But all, I just know that every, this is a fantasy thing, but every like number one like incredible defense in fantasy yeah. wasn't even like in the top 10 the next year. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. It's right. it's just too hard to bet on. Right. It's frustrating. I know. It's frustrating. It really is because they could be dynasty material. I mean, that's what they could be. I mean, like we talked about, I know we were what talking. What will it take for them to finally say we need to change, that we need to trade for Teddy Bridgewater? If they don't make the playoffs this year. So we got to go through the whole year. I think so. There won't be like five games in a row where he throws no. pick sixes. I don't think so. They've, they've, they've what if, hitched what their if wagon the defense, What if Jalen Ramsey, like they just start getting frustrated and they start getting vocal about it? Yeah, I don't know. There's, you know, what are they going to do? Go to Cody Kessler? I don't know. I just don't think they're going to make that trade during the significant time of the year because they don't even want to go down that road. They don't want to start that conversation. Well, of course, because so, as soon as they trade, it's yes. quarterback controversy. Yeah, exactly right. So um, it's so, but you think maybe next year? I think if they didn't make the playoffs this year, that th- they would cut the ties. I think they would cut them legitimately. I think they take the cap hit, everything, because they're the best team in the NFL. They have the 52 best players in the sport. I think you and I were talking the other day. I mean, we went through their defense once again. We could sit there. We were, in, I think, in the bar room on Friday, right? We were talking about if we go through their defense at all three levels, you could make a case that they have the best D-line in football, the best linebackers in football, and they definitely have the best secondary in football. Yes. So, And I would really say defensive line, they really have the best defensive line, too. I don't think it's it's arguable, really. I no, mean, so. especially when you're having, adding guys like Taven Bryan. Exactly. Who are just like roaming out there as like a third stringer, and yep. he's like destroying people. I know. And I, gotta, I haven't watched that game on film. I just watched that one on TV. But yeah, I mean, it just hey, you should be concerned. I thought Minnesota's defense looked really good. They too. did really look, look good, and it, you should be concerned when guys like T.J. Yeldon are leading your team in receiving because of screen games in there with your starters, and then your starting offense couldn't go down and score when they still took the backups out in Minnesota. Yeah, that would be concerning. All right, one last game, uh, and then obviously, like like Sim said, we're going to get to some of these other games on Wednesday too. Yeah, Chiefs Falcons. Mm-hmm. First thing you wrote is Mahomes, so many impressive throws. Had a touchdown called back for illegal formation. The dropped interception in the end zone is what you worried about, but you were very impressed. Yeah. I came away with the highlight, uh, the one to Tyreek Hill. Right. Okay? Yeah. One, the statistics on that are, are pretty damn impressive. They are, right? Aren't they? Uh. Sh- 68.6 yards in the air. The longest completed air distance in the last two years. I was with Sam Darnold. That highlight happened. I showed it to him. And I said, "That he goes, that's insane. Yeah. He goes, I couldn't do that ever. I right. go, it's wild. <laughs> but then he had a few clutch third down throws to Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. on some outs and stuff that were great. Yes. He had a throw where there was a pass rusher and a beautiful touch to Kareem Hunt, who had a one-handed catch. Right. It was a complete game. Exactly. It really was. It wasn't just rifles and bombs. It wasn't just the one bomb. Yes, right. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. The overall look, again, you know, is it going to be perfect with him all year long? No, it's not going to be. Uh, he's going to have some, like, Brett Favre-type interceptions where you're going to go, man, why did you try to throw that ball across your body at the three-yard line and get that intercepted? I mean, that's what's going to happen. But he's also going to have two times a game where we're going to go, damn, he just threw that ball over the whole damn defense over there, and Tyreek Hill caught it 75 yards down the field. I mean, between Mahomes and Josh Allen, we're going to see records broken, I think, with these balls completed in the air, but these two, because they're just they're, – they're, they have arm – I just don't think Josh has the guy. No, maybe not. If exactly right. Marquise I'm just saying maybe Goodwin. longer down the, the road. But, yes, this, this offense uh, is going to be very exciting for Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City just – 
I don't think they're going to be as good a football team overall. Kansas City is an amazing team to get fantasy players from. Yes, I would think so. Because their defense is going to let up a lot of points mm-hmm. this year. You wrote Chris Jones is the only baller really in the front seven. He really is. I was looking at some of their, their rookies they got. They were okay. Yeah. Uh, you like the 57, the linebacker, though, a lot. I do Speaks, like Breland Speaks. Speaks. I do, yeah. He was okay. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just big physical guy. It's like SEC. Their defensive Preston tackle they Smith got, Nana or, or Nandi. whatever. Nandi right, or whatever. Right. He was impressive looking. Yes. I didn't find his movement to be that impressive. No, he didn't do anything special. Uh, but they're a great team because they're going to have to keep putting up points. I think so. I feel the same way about the the Chiefs I do about the Niners. Great fantasy teams. I trust both coordinators. I trust both offensive lines. I like the weapons and the defense. I don't have faith in. Yeah, I know it's scary. I mean, there's no Anthony Hitchens, no Eric Berry in the game. Right, but it's still it's uh, the overall look is I just don't know if there's a g- enough. They good signed players. Orlando Skandrick. Yeah, I know. I don't know if that's going to really matter. I know. Uh, but you liked Calvin Ridley, very smooth, good route runner, yep. but not that explosive. I thought even his double move catch. Exactly. I went. Ooh, that was a smooth move. It was. But he didn't get as much gap as I thought he would. Yeah, I think that's really what it is. I think he's going to be really well-rounded. He's going to be a great complement to to Jones and Sanu. He can do everything. But yes, at no point do I think Calvin Redley is going to be this superstar Julio Jones, A.J. Green, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham Jr. We're going to go, oh, he might go 70 on any play. No, he's going to be more of a... Let's say Roddy White type of guy. Lots of catches, Super really dependable, career. and do do some great things along the way. Uh, just two other like game notes before we keep going. One, uh, Cardinal Saints. I thought Josh Rosen really did look phenomenal, but I wrote down that I noticed your concern of having effective mobility. Yeah, right. All the other guys in this draft can elude a pass rush. Yep. Darnold, Mayfield, and Allen. They're like incredible at it. Like yes. Allen's touchdown, like jump out of the way was great. Right. Baker's done it so many times at this point, it's like not even a shock. Right. Um, but Rosen, it's I was talking to Connor, Connor Rogers from Stick to Football. Yeah. And I said, he's got this Jameis quality about him. I think Josh Rosen has a Jameis Winston quality about him where he'll get in trouble and he just kind of throws the ball up. Right. And it's really scary. Right. Like he had three or four plays in each preseason game yeah. where he's got someone in his on, face. On his legs and or he's something like, and he still throws it. It's either like an intentional grounding or yeah. he's just throwing it in people's directions. Right. That really scares me, and that was the first time I saw what you were saying, which is he doesn't have – like I, when I was talking to Darnold, I said, you're not the fastest guy. I said, but your quick steps are amazing. Yeah. Like he got out of Ryan Kerrigan's way in a step. Right. Uh, Rosen doesn't have no, that. No, it's a little – it's a little, it's a step slow from what we see in this day and but age. But when he's throwing it down the seam – It is pure. It's beautiful. It is. It looks like Peyton almost. It's it, Yeah, I hear you. You're right. It's a, it's a little bit like that as far as the motion. I think he's really – And he's built like a Clydesdale. He, I mean, he listen, he looks phenomenal out there. His throwing is – it's, you know – it's pure every time it leaves his hand. It's always a perfect spiral. There's it more is. pop on it than people give him credit for. Even the touchdown throw, throw to Christian Kirk. I haven't watched this game other than the highlights beautiful yet. Catch. Yeah, beautiful catch. And Kirk sounds like you know he might be a guy I was wrong about coming out in the draft because I was not as high on him. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty impressed with what I've seen from Rosen. Still. I am too. I mean, Especially he, he with, is a special thrower with some of the offensive line issues. Exactly. In the first game and then right. this game. Right. It's funny. I was watching Christian Kirk and I went, man, I see a lot of Sterling Shepard in his game, and then. I see an article in the Arizona Republic that says that uh, is is Christian Kirk the next Odell Beckham? And I went, wait, what? what? And I was like, wrong receiver. So I clicked on it, and it it was our guy Justin Pugh. 
he said he kind of reminds me of a number, another number 13 I used to play with. Right. So I'm just going to out Pew. I texted Pew yes. and I sent him the link and I said, are you out here comparing him to, to Odell? He goes, man, they were hounding me for some compliments and I just kind of went with it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, you can't compare no, Christian Kirk to just Odell give him Beckham. Sterling Shepard. But been he kind of reminds me of Sterling Shepard. I can see that when you said it, I was like, yeah, they have a similar body, similar, similar body way type. They, run. they both have great control. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing was a note from the Raiders Rams game. Raiders fans outnumbered the Rams fans three to one, maybe four or five to one in the crowd of 55,000. Wow. So here they've taken all the teams to LA except the one team from LA and of the 55,000 fans in attendance for no starters on either team. Yes. About thirty-five to 40,000 of them were Raiders fans. The Raiders. There, were, like, there was an article that, man, the Rams looked really, like the Rams fans were uncomfortable. There were so many Raiders fans. That there. is hilarious. I, I didn't watch much of that game. I watched. It was on TV, and once I was like, damn, no, nobody's playing. I kind of went on with it. I am, I'll give it a quick look before we do our, our Wednesday taping of the podcast, because I, I do want to see a few young guys. But, yeah, um, that's a weird, it's a weird city. I mean, it's a weird city. It's a Raiders city. It, it, and now it, they're going to Vegas. It does. Have a blast. You're right. All right, so three fan stuff. And obviously, again, if your teams weren't mentioned, we're going to get to it on Wednesday. We'll get to it. We'll do a deep dive. First one is Ziwali's World. The hypothetical of Khalil Mack joining the Packers makes me think about the impact that Reggie White had on the Pack in the 90s. What would a trade do to the Packers' outlook? Yeah. Um, <laughs> if the Packers got Khalil Mack. Yeah. What does your mindset change with them in the season? It does make them that much more dangerous. The Packers are another team I look at and go, you know, who are the difference makers on their defense? Really, like Clay Matthews is, he's solid. The names that always come to my mind right. are Kenny Clark and Muhammad Wilkerson. Right, and we How, have Mike, and Daniels. Mike Daniels. Right, those three guys. They got to do some butt whooping because the middle linebacker you got Oren Burks, who's a rookie who's athletic. Yeah. But yeah, I mean we're not going to sit here and say Blake he's Martinez. Exactly right. You know, they're, I don't think any of their safeties are physical, and a lot of their corners kind of scare me. Yeah, it's it, it, there's a lot of questions there. Certainly, I mean, you no, know, Khalil Mack would bring them into the category of okay, this is not just going to have to be Aaron Rodgers doing it all by himself. Now they got another guy who can make a game-changing play, you know, four or five times during the year. The Packers are interesting to me in a trade because of how they attacked the draft this year. Right. Moving down and then moving back up yep. and in essence coming away with Jair Alexander and a first-round pick right. who they maybe have taken there. This new GM, Gutenkust, which I'm always afraid I'm going to say something yes. inappropriate. Brian. Uh, BG. Uh he looks like a guy that's willing to make moves yes. after a decade of Thompson who said, we're going to draft who we draft. Right. My only thing with that – go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was going to say they have two first-round picks next year. I know. They could do it. Would you give up two, first, two of those first-round picks next year for Khalil Mack? Not would you make the deal if you're the Raiders. Would you do that if you were the Packers? Yeah, two first-round picks for Khalil Mack. Two first-round picks next year for Khalil Mack. Would mm. you do it? All right, so this is the, my mind went here first. Because the Packers got the picks. They do. And the, the, my first thing is – how can you pay Aaron Rodgers and Khalil Mack? That was my first mind where it went, right? Where I was just like, damn, what are we going to do? We're going to pay them $70 million? Like 70 million And then the other, the other 51 guys get the $70 million left over? I wow. mean, that's where I, yeah. you know, that's where I think it's, it's, it might not be doable from that standpoint. Ah, oh, man, two first-rounders for Khalil Mack. Woo! In the same draft. I know. I'd probably do it. 
You would. I probably would. Those first rounders came from where? The the Saints? I and, think it was. And then, of course, it's going to be their own. Which So you're going to have two first-round picks at the end of the first round, is which I would guess somewhere between 22 yeah. and 32. If you made me forecast the season, I think yeah. the Packers will get in the playoffs in some capacity. Oh, and okay. I think the Saints will, too. Oh, you do? Yeah, I do. Okay, okay. <laughs> and uh, so, yes, Take I would that, probably do it if that was the case. If Raiders, money was no issue. Raiders, would you do it? No. Okay. I wouldn't do it if okay. I'm the Raiders. I wouldn't. The Raiders, they got nothing they can they can hang their lunch pail on right now on that That's defense. It. What 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 else is there to it? These young so. defensive linemen. And I know the Jets were involved in Khalil Mack conversations as yes, well. Yes, we do know that. We do know that, but that didn't happen. Uh, Varsity Ginger 55. Varsity why, Ginger. Why isn't Zach Thomas in the Hall of Fame? Hmm. Seven Pro Bowls, five All Pros, around eleven hundred tackles. Always remembered him right up there with Erlacher and Lewis as the best middle linebackers in the game. I'm not going to put him in Ray Lewis's category, but I do think he is as good as Brian Erlacher. I do. I think he's a Hall of Fame middle linebacker. I really do. Um, Zach Thomas, other than Ray Lewis, I think was also. He was the most intimidating linebacker I played against just because his ability to call plays out was unbelievable. I mean, he really, he was the best at calling plays out that I ever went against, let alone him being a, like a rocket. Mm. He is a muscle and he's like 5'11, six foot, and could pack a punch and really never came off the field. He's a Hall of Fame type player. He really is. I mean, it's, it's to me, if you really ask me who's better between her, him and Erlocker. It's very close. I'm realizing that there's this thing that happens with NFL players towards the end, where at the end of their career, they're constantly called a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. And then when they retire and then they have to wait five years, they're forgotten. Right. Zach Thomas was one of those guys. Yeah, you're right. Where the rest of it, the second half of his career, he goes, this is a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. Alan Fanica was like that. Yeah. I, I would even say, like, Richardson, the fullback, was like that. Sure. Where, where people would be like, oh, I mean, he's a future Hall of Famer. Because when you're in year 12, 13, 14, you're still doing it. That's happening to Larry Fitzgerald right now. Yes. Future Hall of Famer Larry Fitzgerald. No doubt. But then sometimes you get forgotten. And that's what seems like it's happening to Zach Thomas. It does right seem now. like it. I haven't even thought about his name. Brian Urlacher did not deserve to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Okay, he probably but he deserved to be a Hall of Famer. He in the Hall of Fame, maybe the third year or something like that. Zach Thomas, I think that should be similar to him. He should be wait three, four years, and then he should be in the mix as well. You know, those Dolphins teams, they had some good defenses. He had Jason Taylor on there. Yeah. And I would argue that in a lot of times you were – more worried, if not, you know, every bit as worried about Zach Thomas as you were Jason Taylor. And do not forget about Sam Madison and Patrick Sertan. They, I won't. That I was mean, an amazing match. Yeah, I, saw, I know. And Nick Saban, their head coach there for a little while. Uh, I got to play against that group. Man. But, yeah, Zach Brock Thomas is, was pretty amazing. I always say this about Brian Urlacher, like where I get into this, and people might hate on me because, again, Urlacher's a Hall of Famer. But there was a time and period in, like, 2004, 5, 6, where Urlacher was really good, but I'm just telling you, I don't think he was the best linebacker on the Bears. Mm. Brent Lance Briggs was the guy that I know when we played in Tampa. Listen, we were worried about Urlacher, but we were more worried about Lance Briggs. That, he was the guy we were like, man, he can ruin the game. Right. Yeah. He was the guy. He was the guy. It's funny how that happens in it, retrospect. It can happen, yeah. All right, guys. We went deep, 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 deep. into the film study there, so I hope you guys like that. Um, we're going to be back on Wednesday, Wednesday night, Thursday morning. That we'll is correct. More. And then tonight, Spanish Armada. 
1588. That is correct. And then uh, Ravens Bears tonight. Ravens Bears tonight. No, 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 no. no. Ravens Colts. Ravens Colts. The Battle of Baltimore. We get to see Andrew Luck. Yep. Lamar Jackson. Yep. And our guy. Hey, Joe Flacco. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know. Uh, four Sims. Peace out, homies. Fendrick would say, good evening, everyone. And, and the L-E-F-K-O-E man says, holla, 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 holla. See you guys later. Be well. Talk soon.